morning. You guys have no idea how hard this was this week. Um, Getting ready for a talk when you have a baby is a whole other (laughs) ballgame. I had no idea. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, It's exciting to see new faces. Hi, Aunt Margaret. (laughs) I had no idea you were up here. Um, No pressure. Uh, (laughs) But um, I... I, my prayer this morning is that um, what's in my heart will come out. It was really hard to um, try to condense so many different thoughts and truths that I feel like have been deposited in me into one morning, to be honest, um, and onto black and white print. It was really difficult for me. So hopefully um, you'll hear my heart and that you can walk away with some truths that will help you discover really who God is um, no matter what season you're in, whether it's a difficult season or you're in um, a coming out of a difficult season or whether you know it or not, getting ready to go into one. Um, I really, um, I know God is faithful and he wants you to know that he's faithful. And many of you do. I I don't take that for granted, but um, sometimes we have to be reminded. I don't know. Um, So hopefully uh, this will make some sense to you. Um, I tend to be more of a a teacher style, and so um, that's why I guess getting ready for this message drove me a little nuts because I couldn't get all these perfect points. (laughs) But um, hopefully it will work out good. Uh, Will you pray with me? Father, um, I just ask that these people would hear your heart and that I would not... um, get in the way of what you want to do or try to make things a certain way, but that um, your word would be made known in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. I know that people, church people say that all the time, right? God is good. <laughs> all the time, exactly. But he really is. And um, he's such a good God that he gives us all kinds of dreams and abilities to achieve those dreams. Um, have you ever had a dream? Like, not a not a sleeping dream. I had a weird sleeping dream last night. I was at a fair. It was really bizarre. <laughs> but the kind of dream that usually starts with the word someday. You know, someday I want to be this. Or someday I want to do that. Um, when I was a teenager, Brian, Brian read this last night, and he was like, I'll do this for you. But when I was a teenager, I had this silly dream, and it was that somebody would someday write me a song. And not just any kind of song, one of those 90s rock ballads. I had this secret hidden love for Aerosmith that I'm ashamed to admit now. But it's true. It's true. Where's Jeremy? Um, but it's true, I did. I, I don't know what was wrong with me at the time. Too much, too many Alicia Silverstone movies or something. But, um, but that was, that was one of my, my more immature dreams. But as I got older, um, I felt like God put a lot of visions and plans and dreams into my heart. And one of the biggest ones was to raise a family and to, um, be a godly mom and to be able to instill into another life um, how to commune with God and how to show others who he is. And um, 
Among that, I, I also desired to have a healthy marriage. I desired to teach, whether it was in school or in church. I w- wasn't sure at the time, but all of these things were planted, I believe, by God in my heart. Um, we all have dreams. Some of them are our own, but some of them are really ones that were planted in your heart by God, I believe. He made you for a reason. He gave you your likes and dislikes for a reason, and, um, and he put those things in your heart. And so my question would be, if you had to write it down, what would your dreams be? Or what are they? Or what have they been? Um, are they dreams that are happening? Are they dreams that you're waiting for? Are they things that you've been able to celebrate and fulfill? What has been your dream? Dreams are great to have, um, but not so great when they don't happen. <laughs> um, delay is like the enemy of dreams, right? Um, And unfortunately, um, as many of you know, through Brian and my dad and my mom, the um, delay against my will became a friend of mine (laughs) for over eight years. Um, And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But as I talk, I want you to realize that I know that what I want in my life is not the same as you. Everybody has different things on different levels. Your dream may be to have a successful business or to um, have godly uh, children that love the Lord or to see a loved one saved or a physical illness healed. There's all kinds of dreams at different levels and all kinds of different kinds of frustration and pain as you try to achieve those. So please, as I speak, um, know that I don't want you to think I'm underestimating your situation because I know when... I've gone through things I felt like nobody else really understood, and I understand that feeling. And so please know that I know that. Um, I want to read this. Perhaps you have a dream of a successful business, a healthy marriage, financial stability, a family, a full healing, and you thought it would be easier to get to. If you're one of those people, I have great news for you today. If you're not, take notes, because someday you might be one of those people. If you've already been one of those people, say amen a lot. (laughs) Um, As I said before, God gave me a dream when I was young. And I'm going to read the next section. I don't don't like doing that, but um, I feel like in order to get through it more quickly, that's what I'm going to do. God gave me a dream when I was young. The dream was to be a godly mom and to raise kids to become people that would rock the earth with the message of a loving and gracious Savior. When I got married, I was ready for that dream to begin to unfold. God had other plans, however. God took me on an eight-year journey that required the type of endurance that I had no... I had no idea what would be required. And I had no idea what was inside of me. In early 2000, I was told by a doctor, um, because we hadn't gotten pregnant yet, was told by a doctor that I was symptomatic of having PCOS and I would probably never have children. I knew, however, at the time, at least I thought I knew, that God's word is bigger, thank you, Kimmy, 
that God's word is bigger than the doctors. And so I thought, okay, well, this is just something we're going to have to work through. Um, and I guess that's one of the first things is you've got to decide if you're ready to work through it. It's a commitment to decide to work through it. It's a scary commitment, but it's a commitment. And it's one that you make for a while, and then you have to decide again and again and again. I became pregnant in February 2001. I then miscarried our first little one just days after the tests were confirmed. Three more painful years passed. I went through all kinds of tests, took all kinds of drugs, and if you've ever taken fertility medicine, it's not an enjoyable experience at all. Um, And a lot of waiting followed. During that time, our church began a crazy journey of its own. So I had my own stuff going on, and then it was like the church went on its own enduring travels. (laughs) Um, It seemed like everywhere I looked, discouragement, frustration, and disappointment were there. In January of 2004, while Brian was away on a trip, I began experiencing abdominal pain. In the middle of the night, I woke up with severe cramping and bleeding. After a test from the doctor, I discovered I was pregnant and didn't know it. There was so much going on, I couldn't stand the thought of adding more disappointment to other people's plates. So Brian and I decided to grieve the second little one all on our own. If I could say anything else, don't do that. (laughs) It's really foolish to not rely on other people. Three more years followed, and these are perhaps the most painful. Um, I was now in my late 20s. And people all around me were being blessed with children. Even girls that were in our youth group were now grown up, married, and having children. Girls that weren't married were now grown up and having children. I went to the mall, and everywhere I went, there was pregnant people around me. I went to church, and everywhere I went, there was pregnant people around me. It was um, challenging. But I desperately clung to God's word. even though my heart was so tired of trying to hope. In April of 2007, three years later, we were finally pregnant again. All the tests looked good, and due to the length of time that I remained pregnant, we thought we were finally on our way to parenthood. I was convinced that this was God's answer to my prayers. I prayed scripture over the baby every day, and we did communion, and we did all these I guess spiritual rituals that we thought would work. We thought that this was God's plan. On our ninth anniversary, however, I began to bleed. An ultrasound confirmed that the baby was no longer alive. With a thread of hope for a miracle, I chose not to get a DNC. It took over a month before I had an actual physical miscarriage. Endurance was no longer something required to keep my dream alive. Endurance was required just to breathe. A 
I'm not crying because of my own pain because I've come through that. I'm crying because I know that sometimes people go through things that are so heavy and so overwhelming. I cannot imagine going through this and people not having Christ. There are people just like me that need God's hope. Infertility issues alone, like I said, I know that's not the only reason people wait, but that alone, it's now 25% of women struggle with this, wondering what's wrong with them. My dream of having a family and being a mom turned into a trial of a lifetime. Every night, I would go to sleep thinking about what it would be like to carry a, fam- a baby to full term, to hear, hear her or him breathing in their bed, to walk to the park, to make cookies. I dreamt of all the things that moms get to do and how wonderful it would be to do them. Yet each morning, I woke up to a life that required enduring pain in order to see my dream fulfilled. I don't know totally why, God brought me through this path, but now that I'm through it, (laughs) not at the time, but now that I'm through it, I know it was worth it. Not, And that's not even because I have a baby. I know it is worth it because of what happened in my relationship with God throughout this journey. And I guess this is where I would ask you, is your dream worth it? Would you put your whole heart on the line? For what God has for you. Is our dream as a church worth it? Are you willing to put your life out there? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to endure tests in order to see things happen? I believe it is. My passion is for you to see that it is. So what do we need to contend for? What do we need to endure? What dreams does this church contain that must be contended for? My heart burns for you to understand that the dream that God has placed in your heart or in my heart in this church is worth contending for. The challenge to see dreams fulfilled is worth taking on. Um, Many of you have heard the verse I'm about to read. It's pretty common when going through tough times. And um, if you're one of those people that is going through a tough time right now, please understand that I can understand that I know when um, you hear verses about trials it gets really irritating (laughs) after a while because you're like i know what the bible says but that doesn't make this feel any better (laughs) um but this is a really uh beautiful version um it's the message version which is a paraphrase based off of the actual original language james said to um this when to consider contending for your dream he says hello faith under pressure He actually calls the people faith under pressure. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced to open up and show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. This might be the best translation I've ever seen of this verse. 
you are put in your circumstances, whatever they are, whether self-inflicted, whether it's trying for a dream or somebody did something to you, you're put in those circumstances. And God wants to use those for you to discover a great gift. And know that waiting and working towards a dream or living through a difficult season does not feel like a gift. I actually thought about um, getting something valuable and wrapping it up in a diaper. <laughs> because I think that's somehow at times how working through a difficult season feels. Is all we see is this nasty diaper. But the truth inside is there's a good gift, not the normal gift. <laughs> Honestly. Um, it's hard for us to look past the packaging of delay and frustration and disappointment to see the treasure God has waiting for you. But that's exactly what James tells us to do, or tells us is happening, is that it's a sheer gift. It's a true honor. Beth Moore in her book, Get Out of the Pit, which I highly recommend, um, says that when you feel like you're in these situations, that it's not God picking on you, but picking you out because he's chosen you. He's trusted you with suffering and with waiting. He trusts you with that. He knows you're capable through him. And he, he is faithful to you and wants to see you succeed. I know looking at these circumstances are difficult to swallow, but having to fight, for a dream, or working through a difficult circumstance in your life is a gift from God. There is greater purpose beyond achieving your dream. God wants to perfect us as we work through these trials and show us, um, and show us who he is. The past circumstances of this church are a blessing. The only problem is that sometimes we don't like the packaging that those blessings came in. I want to challenge you today to look past the packaging of what life has brought and discover the gifts that um, God has brought you individually and our church. Just as the verse, uh, this version of the verse says, God, when we're going through trials, puts us in a, our faith in a pressure cooker. It's like all of a sudden the truth will come out whether we like it or not. It may be good, it may be bad, but the full array of what's going on will come out. Um, God has put us in this situation. I want to I say that carefully. God allowed that situation. Allowed. We sometimes put ourselves in those places that he left us. God allowed these situations to force open our faith. So we can become people that are mature and steady and able to fulfill his full calling on our lives. He's making us the people who can fight for what is at stake. I would not, two or three years ago, said that this was something that I was happy had happened in my life and that it was teaching me something and it was great. (laughs) Um, But looking back again, I know that God has done something in my heart that I would not trade ever. There's so much at stake for you to get what God's trying to show you through your time of contending 
through the time that you have to endure. There's so much at stake for you to refuse bitterness while you wait. There's so much at stake. You must refuse to allow disappointment to reign over your life. There's too much at stake for us to deny the gift of maturity God is handing us both as individuals and as a church. We must not get up, give up. We must look through the packaging. We must contend in prayer and in action, and we must do so with endurance. As far as our church goes, and what I believe part of the dream is, we are called to be a church that bring the broken to the restorer. We are called to bring the sick to their healer. We are called to bring the captive and tormented to their deliverer. We are called to bring the discouraged and disheartened to the only true source of hope. We are called to bring the lonely into a family. We are called to give each other support when you feel like nothing is holding together any longer. This can only happen if we don't give up prematurely. This can only happen if we contend. This can only happen if we commit to the process for our church and our individual lives. If we refuse to get out early, we will miss the gift God planned at the beginning. So how do we do that? How do we go through all kinds of pain and get something good out of it? How do we not let delay taint our heart? Because it can. The Bible says that hope deferred makes a heart sick. And it really does. It's hard when your heart is sick. But there's a second half of that verse that talks about once it's done, there's true life. You've experienced true life. I have a few points um, And I'm aware that they're going to sound very simple and very basic for those of you who have been Christians a long time. But I've been a Christian a long time, and it took this situation for it to get grounded into me like never before. So what do we do when we have to contend? How do we get through the situation, and how do we discover the gift God has given us? How do we answer the questions that we have when God's not answering our prayers the way we thought he would? I have a few things that I'd like to share. Um, the first one is super obvious, but it, but I can't believe how many people don't do this, is cling to God's word. You cannot get through a circumstance without your Bible. It's impossible. The reason it's impossible is because our brain will get in the way when we're trying to process what's going on. This is my um, old Bible. I have a new Bible now, but this is my Bible that I've had. Um, I got it on my golden birthday when I turned 26 on March 26. Um, And it has been my best friend through all of our trials and tribulations over the past year. There's a lot of pages that are um, wrinkled from being wet from crying. Um, there's a lot of pages that have a lot of writing, and, and um, 
for me, I talk to God in my Bible. Like, I actually write questions I have for him, not just these profound thoughts I got out of the scripture. I actually write, what in the world do you mean (laughs) by this? Or how am I supposed to swallow this? Or whatever it is. But this right here has become um, so special to me as as a as this actual Bible, but also the words in it. Um, it's kind of morbid, but growing up, <laughs> my sisters and I would play this game, if there was a fire, what would you grab before you left the house? And <laughs> it was a little morbid, but um, we still do it sometimes. And I always say, I would grab my Amplified Bible <laughs> because there's so much in it. There's so much God spoke to me in it. There's so much written and so many things underlined and hot pink and there's so much in it that God spoke to me this you cannot you can't do this without your Bible you can't um, page upon page is filled with the very life you were begging for while while contending there are so many doubts and questions that you face when you're contending from a dream, you must have God's word for the answers. When you are weary, you must have God's word. Otherwise, the enemy will take advantage and begin to twist the truth. Psalms 19, 7-8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving your soul. And that's exactly what this word did. It said, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. It's Psalms 19, 7 and 8. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to your eyes. When you can't see because of the situations around you, this is your flashlight. Seriously, this is your flashlight. Because everything else will have your tainted perspective on it. Um, it's easy to get your perspective skewed, but God's word will keep you lined up. Psalm 73, 16 through 7 is, um, Psalm 73 is a chapter basically where David is complaining, which he does a lot in the Psalms if you notice. Um, but he's frustrated. He doesn't understand why, why things are going on. Um, his enemy has an advantage at times and he doesn't understand that. And um, he says this, but when I consider how to understand this, it was too great and too painful for me. So even David was like, my perspective is not okay right now. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. He went in and heard the word of the Lord, and that straightened out his perspective. It's easy when you're going through these things to forget God's character. It's so easy to forget that God is good when you are are suffering or when you are feeling like things are taking too long or when you messed up. It's so easy to forget his character. It's in here. His word will show you who he is. You can begin to think God has stopped listening to you or has forgotten you or doesn't like you anymore, but his word will show you the truth. Psalms 66:19-20 I actually wanted to say this specifically for Ellie. Um, Psalm 66:19-20 says, "But certainly God has heard me and has given heed to my voice in prayer. Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer, 
nor removed his mercy and loving kindness from me. God hears you. When you're going through something, you might feel alone, but he hasn't left. He hears you. His loving kindness is there. You will also find strength and endurance in his word. Psalms 29.11 has become, I would say, maybe my ultimate verse. You know, you have those verses that you live on <laughs> no matter what. And I would say that might be mine. Um, in the Amplified, it says that God will give his people unyielding, impenetrable strength and peace. I wouldn't know that if I didn't have my Bible. I wouldn't know that if, despite what I felt like, I didn't commit to reading the Word. Now, please understand, I am not perfect. Going through hard times, I did not want to read my Bible. There's days I didn't read my Bible. And I suffered from it. I had to fight harder because of that on those days. But when I was in the Word, I knew where I stood with God. I didn't have answers to why things were happening, but I knew where I stood with God and I knew that He was with me. There was even times, it's kind of silly, but we were at summer camp one year and I was having an especially hard time just trying to figure out my place. I felt so called to be a mom and I wasn't and I just had such a hard time that year. And I remember Brian was hanging out with some guys in their cabin and I was in our room and I just had my Bible and I'm like, God, I need you, but I don't have strength to read. I just know it's in here. And I remember holding this close to my chest and just falling asleep, saying, just speak to me. And he did, and he will for you. He will for you. So to contend with endurance, cling to God's word. And the second thing is probably the last thing I um, felt like God was trying to speak to me. Um, It's all over in the Bible, but I think growing up in church, I just kind of skimmed over it a lot. But um, this is the last thing I really felt God taught me and probably the most difficult. And that's I had to become aware of, excuse me, and in terms with God's sovereignty. God is sovereign above all things. It's the hardest thing to learn. that ultimately you have no control. That's difficult. And I I fear even saying that because I don't want it to be taken out of context. We have choices. But God is in control. He keeps the earth spinning. We cannot exist outside of him. John 1.3 says, All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him was not even one thing made that came into being, that has come into being. We can't exist outside of him. We can't live without his choosing. Psalms 135, 5-6 says, For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, That he has done in the earth and in the sea and in all the deeps. God does what he wants to do. I don't like that very often. 
You don't. There are lots of other things that I think would be great if he would do. But he does as he pleases. And there's a reason. He's the Alpha and Omega. That means beginning and end. That means he stands at the beginning of time and he stands at the end of time and he can see how everything works out in between. We can't see that. We can't see that. And so he does as he pleases because he has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He loves us and he wants it to work out right. Now, whether or not we walk in that plan is up to us. The God is sovereign. If you are in a situation that you feel is unjust or, or that you never asked for or that you don't understand why it's happening, you are going to have to come to terms with God as sovereign. But he's good and sovereign. He's loving and sovereign. I was looking at the word endure with BibleGateway.com. Recommend using it. I was looking at the word endure, and almost every single context that the word endure is used in the Bible has nothing to do with us. It has to do with God. It says over and over, hundreds of times, His love endures forever. His mercy endures forever. God is sovereign and he endures forever. His goodness endures forever. He's in control. But if we submit to that, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. How to live, um, I would say on a practical point, how to live and recognize God's sovereignty when you're going through a situation that requires endurance, is I would say speak it out. I don't know how else to do that other than you admitting and yielding to the fact that God is sovereign and that he's in control. You saying with your mouth, God, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Or God, (laughs) um, I don't understand why you're doing this, but I know because your word says, because I've been clinging to your word, that you're in control. So despite what my emotions and every fiber of me being says, I'm going to live that way, knowing that you're sovereign, that you're in charge. Who am I to argue with God's plans? I had to say that a lot out loud. Who am I to argue with God's plans? It's not fun to say. It's not fun to feel. I can tell you that. I remember driving over the 205 bridge, crying, in pain, and saying, I don't like feeling this way. But I want to remember that I feel this way because this tells me you're in charge. The next thing I would say um, to do, first cling to your word, recognize God's sovereignty, and then be real in God's presence. We all know that most people know that God hears our thoughts. He knows our heart. Um, He knows us in and out. He made us. Uh, In Jeremiah, it says that God knew us before we were formed. We know that. Yet, we have a really hard time being honest with God when it comes to our relationship with him. We'll be honest about who we're mad at. We'll be honest about unfair situations with him. But then when it comes to us not understanding why he's doing what he's doing, we begin to struggle. 
But if you read the Psalms, it must be okay because David talked to God about it all the time. He'd tell God, where are you right now? You left me. Will you please come back? He was really honest about where he was at. He would be angry. He would say, he would say things. There's some things David says, honestly, if you look at them, you're like, he did not just do that. <laughs> honestly. But he did, and he was God's favorite. <laughs> Isn't that this is so ironic to me? But he got it. He got that God knew his heart anyway. So why not admit what was going on in it? We've got to be willing to show God, when we're going through a hard time, we've got to be willing to show God our ugly face. (laughs) Um, While I was going through all of this stuff, waiting for my beautiful daughter, Ellie, who I thought at the time would be a beautiful son, but I'm very glad I have a girl. (laughs) Um, While I was going through this, um, part partway through, I was asked to speak to church, and there was a word I felt God had given me out of the Song of Solomon. And um, it's from chapter 2, and it's where the bridegroom brings, um, comes to the woman he loves and asks her to follow him up into the hills. And, you know, if you're a girl, you're thinking, this is going to be great. It's going to be romantic. We're going to have time together. We're going to see a beautiful view. But as she followed him, according to verse 14, things got not so enjoyable. It says, so I went with him, and we were climbing the rocky steps of the hillside. Um, We were climbing up the rocky, sorry, we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside, and my beloved shepherd said, in the seclusion of the cleft of the rock, Show me your face. So they're on this lovely walk, and all of a sudden things get rocky and cold. And he's like, let's go in this cave over here and have a chat. (laughs) And he asks her to show him his face, her face. And if you read earlier, she didn't like her face very much. She said, I am dark. I've been working in the fields. I don't look the way I'm supposed to look. But he wanted to see her face. I feel so strongly, this is maybe the biggest truth I think that's been dropped over in my heart over the last eight years, is God just wants you to trust him enough to show your real face. To say, God, what you're doing to me, in my opinion, is not okay. (laughs) Now that, really, if you have the fear of the Lord, is a scary thing to say out loud. But he wants you to do it. He wants you to trust that he loves you enough that he can handle it. My mom always says, God can handle the truth. <laughs> um, I don't know how to better explain this, but I just, I urge you. Because if you're unwilling to be honest with God about your anger, your frustration, your questions, asking why, why is this going on, um, saying asking, you know, God, you can do anything. The Word says you're sovereign. Why aren't you doing this? Asking the tough things, mulling over, but doing it with God. When you do that, a whole other level takes place in your relationship because you're no longer trying to say the right thing. 
Have you ever been in prayer and you know what the Bible says, so you try to say the right thing instead of trying to say what's in your heart? God wants you to say what's in your heart. He said David was after his own heart, and David was honest about what was going in his heart all the time. David did all kinds of ugly, ugly things, and he was honest with God. I'm going to challenge you to be honest with God, to be real in his presence. In worship, when you're at church or at home, be real. When you sing the words and you're singing them totally out of, out of just sheer will, God knows that. Be honest with him about that. So be real in God's presence. I wish I could explain that better, but I just challenge you, be honest. Part of when I God really started speaking to me about his sovereignty was I really realized the ugly truth of how much I thought that I deserved compared to his glory, that I thought I could actually earn the answer to my prayer. And I began to expose that to God, and he showed me the ugly truth of how prideful I'd become. You don't, don't want to hear that when you're struggling, but the truth is it was God's goodness he showed me my position that really I don't deserve his love because I'm just a messed up human by like everybody else. But he loves me anyways. He loves me more than I can wrap my mind around. So be honest with God. It gives you so much freedom. And the fourth thing I would say, I just want to do this really quickly, is go to others. It's really difficult when you're struggling to want to talk about stuff anymore. And I understand that. But God created his church for a reason. And that's to rely on others. Like Brian said last week, you don't need to share your struggles with everyone. You can admit you struggle. But there's got to be a few people, godly people in your life that you can go to. I have um, my family, obviously, but I have two friends. But over the last eight years, I would say things to me like, we know you can't hope right now, so we're going to hope for you. You have no idea how long that carries a person. When you're like, I can't pray anymore. I can't do it. And they'll say, don't worry. We'll do it for you. That's a great gift. But you can't receive that gift unless you're honest with other people. The last thing, which is so important, first, to cling to God's word. God's word. Recognize his sovereignty. Be real. Go to others. And then rest and trust. We can strive and strive and strive and strive to achieve the dream God's given us as a church. We can strive and strive and work and work to, to see the dreams fulfilled in our own lives. We can work hard. And we should within God's will. We should. But because God's sovereign, it's ultimately up to him. We have to rest in that. We have to trust that he's heard us. Psalms 57, 1 and 2 is very special to me. It says, For my soul takes refuge and finds shelter and confidence in you. Yes, In the shadow of your wings will I take refuge and be confident until the calamities and storms pass. I will cry to the Most High, and this is my favorite part, who performs on my behalf and rewards me, 
who brings to pass his purposes for me and surely completes them. There comes a point where you read God's word and you just got to rest that it says what it says and he is what he is. Rest and trust in the fact he performs on your behalf. You do not have to beg continually. God loves you. He knows where you stand. He knows where you stand. His word says he knows where you stand. He says, you know what? You're tired. Stop begging. Just rest in me. I love the picture of hiding underneath God's wing. It's so huge, you know? It's such a huge, huge word picture of cuddling up. You know, have you, do you, um, any of you have a down comforter? And you just have those days where you just want to cuddle up in those feathers and just hide and it's a safe place and, and it's just so cozy. That's what God's encouraging you to do. Wrap up in his wings, be comfortable, and rest. He's working on your behalf. He's heard your prayers. He's hearing your prayers. He just says, trust me. Trust me, I've got it. Now, again, we have to remind ourselves over and over. Because we'll wait for a while and we'll rest for a while and say, okay, you're taking way too long. <laughs> and then you go through another cycle of fighting with God a little bit. And then you trust again. And you rest in him again. The beginning, at the beginning, I read James 1 that says, Consider this a, sh- a sheer gift. A gift when you encounter trials. Knowing these points is my gift. Knowing that I can rest in God, knowing that He is sovereign and my hands are tied if He doesn't if He wants them to be is a gift. But most of all, knowing His love and care and that He carried me even when I didn't know He was carrying me is the most precious gift of all. My challenge for you this morning is that no matter what you're enduring, it may be something small. You may just have an annoying job right now, and you have to endure it. Or maybe something huge, like waiting for a child or, or a healing or something like that. It may be huge. Either way, God knows what he's doing. And either way, he wants to take this opportunity to reveal your true heart and ask you to endure and ask you to not give up too early because it's worth it. It's worth working through. I, I, I really struggled putting this together. I can't... Brian can attest. He came home last night and just started crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do because my heart, I feel even now my heart isn't getting out, you know? Because you have to experience this. You have to walk through it in order to hear God. So I guess maybe my, my main point would be is to don't waste it. Don't waste what God is doing. Difficult circumstances or waiting is a treasure. 
It doesn't feel like one. I know it. It's like putting pearls inside a poopy diaper. I know it doesn't feel like it. But it's worth pulling out. It's worth getting. It's worth not giving up. Our church has huge visions of reaching the lost, of reaching the poor, of seeing broken marriages and broken people healed and restored. But it's going to take some endurance and fighting for and working through and recognizing that God is the only one who can make it happen. He's the one. So, um... I don't know who's supposed to finish today. I don't know if it's mom or Brian. But I want to finish, um, I want to finish like this. We're all in different seasons, and I'm very aware of that. Um, but no matter what season we're in, we can either give strength and hope to other people through prayer, through prayer or receive it. We're doing this series because we know that this house has got to pray in order to see God do what he's called us to do. So I would like us to pray this morning.